Hey, welcome to Rocket Nation. Saul Marquez here. I want to talk to you about Fullscript. Fullscript is a virtual dispensing platform that lets practitioners dispense professional grade supplements and improve patient adherence from anywhere. It has the most comprehensive catalog of products and has adherence tools like refill reminders and auto reorder. It even sends medically reviewed wellness content to your patients. It's simple to use, loaded with features, and integrates with you and your patients' day-to-day lives. For example, when you write a prescription, it's sent directly to patients via text or email, and when they order supplements, they're shipped right to their door. The best part of it all, it's free. So, to try Fullscript today, if you're considering adding supplements to your treatment plans, check out their comprehensive guides and best practices on how to do it. Visit fullscript.com rocket. That's fullscript.com slash rocket. Welcome back to the podcast. Saul Marquez here. Today I have the privilege of hosting Dr. Charles Herman. He's equally adept in the boardroom as in the operating room in quantitative financial modeling as in reconstructive surgery. Dr. Herman is a senior medical executive, board certified plastic surgeon, entrepreneur, and award-winning researcher and author. He's an active academician as well as a clinical surgeon. He's the editor of four major medical textbooks and on the faculty of two medical schools. He's well-versed in the business of healthcare. Dr. Herman has served in a senior medical executive role at Northeastern Pennsylvania's largest health system and has served as chair of its foundation board and secretary of its management board, has served as chief consulting editor at one of the world's largest medical publishing companies, and has served as a consultant and advisor to several private equity, venture capital, medical consulting, and management companies, being involved in all phases of multiple biotechnology and medical device startup life cycles, as well as in service and healthcare IT investments that include AI and machine learning. We've got a lot of amazing work being done in healthcare, and today, with some of the issues we have going on with the pandemic, the rising need for innovative solutions has never been greater. And so today, we'll be diving into you know venture investments, virtual monitoring, and some of the sweet spots that he's seeing a lot of uh, progress in. So with that, I want to give Dr. Herman a warm welcome. So glad you could be with us today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you're a venture partner at Digitalis. You've got several, you know, you wear several hats on different boards. You're actively a clinician. What inspires your work in healthcare, Charles? That's a great question and, and many things at many different levels. I went into medicine, become a doctor to touch patients' lives. And what I've found in the last 15 to 20 years is it's been incredibly rewarding to touch individual patients' lives by being a surgeon. It's also rewarding in new and different ways to touch patient lives by being an executive in a health system where now, instead of touching one patient at a time, we can help hundreds to thousands to tens of thousands of patients at a time by helping with quality initiatives, by building new business lines, by interacting with the community and bridging the gap between the health system and the community that it serves. And most recently, what's inspired me to get involved in uh, venture capital and what inspired me to go back a few years ago and get my MBA was the realization that the way of touching millions of patients' lives is to be actively involved in the venture space and be actively involved in the next generation of technologies and services that are going to improve the quality of life of patients, uh, not only in the local community that I serve, but uh, in larger geographies nationwide and, and internationally. 
Yeah, that's great. You know, you're sort of spending time both on the front line, but also with those future building companies, you're sort of have one foot in where the puck is and where it's going. And so I think that's a great way to to sort of uh, spend your time in healthcare. What would you say, maybe we could hone in on Digitalis for now, the venture firm. How are you guys adding value to the healthcare ecosystem? What, what are you doing that's different? So Digitalis is a, is a great company. It focuses uh, on several different areas in the healthcare ecosystem, in particular, how to leverage digital health, improving patients' lives, and solving complex problems through leveraging new digital technologies. I'll give you an example that we can pivot to a little bit as a, as a case in point is that one of the companies in our portfolio is called Somatics. Mm-hmm. And Somatics has its only of its kind artificial intelligence algorithms that can monitor patients remotely purely through the gestures of a wearable on their wrist. We can tell purely from risk movement with our algorithms whether the patient is smoking, how much they're drinking, and whether they're at a risk for dehydration, how much they've been sleeping and have robust sleep analytics how much activity they've done during the day and whether that's different than the baseline that they've demonstrated over the past several days to weeks, whether they fell down or at a risk for falling, how many cigarettes they've smoked. And we can do this with incredible sensitivity and specificity purely through a wearable with with no other external technologies necessary. And so it's a prime example of how artificial intelligence can actually take data and make it clinically useful and clinically insightful. And I think that that's very, very valuable because what we're seeing right now is finally, after years of promises, we're finally starting to see artificial intelligence start to deliver value to certain areas of healthcare that we've been looking for for many years, but finally are realizing. And the example I gave you is just one. You've probably seen in the the news recently how some artificial intelligence has helped improve x-ray readings of the chest to detect whether there are abnormalities in chest x-rays to improve detection of breast cancer uh, and patients who are undergoing screening for breast cancer, being used in ophthalmology exams to detect in the retina of the eye whether there's disease occurring there that uh, is often more accurate than just the human eye. And I think that's where you know the value is starting to finally uh, manifest itself. And that, that's very exciting to be part of that. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. You know, finally putting things into action around the AI and, and all those stuff that, you know, at one point we're just kind of in a hype cycle. We're starting to see more more use of it practically, you know, somatics being uh, an example of it. So are they just, are they mapping kinetic movement to certain activities? So the technology uses gesture detection where we can take the three-dimensional vectors that are involved in a gesture and be able to differentiate between them. What's interesting is that the technology is not just AI, it's also what we call adaptive machine learning. So it actually learns the individual patient. Think about, you know, the baseline activity level, sleep pattern, and drinking of a 90-year-old patient in, let's say, a nursing home versus a 50-year-old patient who was just discharged from the hospital. Vastly different baselines that the software needs to learn. So it adapts itself to the individual, and then it can use these gestures to actually tell you insights into that patient purely through movements of their wrist. That includes things such as geofencing. This is a big deal for nursing homes where we can establish safe stones and Mm -hmm. try to alert real-time if someone's wandering off the premises to more granular insights, such as uh, how much has that person slept? Uh, What's the quality of their sleep? We have all sorts of rating scales that can help influence the medications the patient's getting, what their sleep and nap times are during the daytime, 
we can trend activity levels and tell whether someone's activity level is dropping and whether that might be predicting earlier a clinical deterioration in that patient that might not be seen from traditional vital signs such as temperature and blood pressure, whether they're getting dehydrated because we can actually track how many sips of a drink in milliliters they took during the day. I mean, so these are the really granular insights that we can generate purely through wrist movements by tracking what that person's doing by monitoring their wrist movement. Fascinating. Very, very cool. There's so many interesting things going on. And a lot of the times it's about finding them, you know, a lot of systems and even larger strategic struggle to really understand what's going on out there and, and how's it making an impact. I'd love to hear from you, maybe your perspective on that question, but also maybe you can cover somatics or another example in one of your other roles of how you guys have done things to improve outcomes or make business better. Sure. Well, I can start with somatics and continue on the same theme. We've tracked outcomes uh, after use of the wearable through remote patient monitoring now at several sites. I brought one of my old professors from Wharton School of Business, who's a guru in data analytics, to help us out with our outcomes measures. And one of our first clients was a partnership with the Catholic Church, believe it or not. We uh, partnered with the Catholic Diocese in eastern Pennsylvania, and our technology has been used now for over a year in their independent living, assisted living, and nursing home facilities. And we've demonstrated in the past year that we've been able to reduce readmission rates to the hospitals that those facilities serve by 17%, and we've reduced fall rates and urinary tract infection rates by over 30%. So very, very tangible outcome benefits we've demonstrated, which makes it particularly rewarding for me to see that our technologies are actually helping patients in a, in a real tangible way. And, you know, in terms of the, the larger picture, it helps everyone, not just the nursing home, because it helps now the hospitals that suffer both operationally and financially from getting patients readmitted after they've left in terms of penalties and reduced reimbursements. The patients, of course, are suffering if their quality could otherwise have been improved and we could have picked up on disease earlier in the disease process, intervened sooner, and hopefully have prevented that uh, readmission or the nursing homes benefit because they can provide better care. This crisis we're going through now is a perfect example. Uh, tying it into what we're experiencing now with the coronavirus epidemic is that before this even happened, one of our facilities had used our technology to help quarantine patients and isolate them, quote unquote, social distancing in their facility during a recent flu influenza mm -hmm. outbreak. Mm -hmm. And so it was a, a sort of a gave us an example of what the technology could do before we had the current crisis where, where they're using our technology now. And so I think the current crisis has done is it's amplified technologies that have been able to provide benefits that may not have been as appreciated a few months ago and now all of a sudden are, are suddenly on the radar. And that particularly includes telemedicine and remote patient monitoring, which now are you know hot topics in, in uh, medical technology. Yeah, that's fascinating. Thanks for that background. So let's dive into setbacks. You know, I feel like we learn more from those setbacks, Dr. Herman, than maybe even some of the wins we've had. Can you share one in particular that stands out as one that you learned a ton from and because of now are so much stronger and know more about what you're doing? Of course. Well, I think, you know, whenever you're bringing something new into the market and it's potentially a game-changing technology that hasn't been tried or used before, there are going to be setbacks. And so I became involved with Somatics um, about a year and a half ago when the company was about to go to market because it was at that time primarily a technology company. And so 
we anticipated multiple setbacks when we actually were entering the market because it's one thing to try something in simulation in a, in a math lab or in a closed controlled environment. It's another thing when you actually take a technology and you implement it in a real setting on real patients. And so the first several months of going to market with a company were overcoming those hurdles of operational issues, making sure our algorithms were accurate. And I think we overcame what otherwise could have set back companies you know, significantly by anticipating them and by putting in key performance metrics that allowed us to very quickly and objectively gauge the performance of our product. How were our algorithms performing? What was their sensitivity and specificity? Why were they working or not working? And being critical about them and not uh, being resistant to feedback, but paying attention to the product and the experience it was delivering. And so very, very quickly, we updated our algorithms. We improved the technology. We improved the user interface. We kept measuring outcomes constantly to make sure that we were improving the technology and the product. I think the key take home from that is to make sure that you can try to front load that into the process as much as possible. There are certain things we didn't anticipate perhaps that later on we learned that we should have built in, but I think because we had a strong key performance uh, indicators in place before we started, we were able to track our experience and overcome setbacks whenever you take a a new product to the market that you're going to face and make the product better at the end of the day. Yeah, that's great. I mean, putting those KPIs together is just critical. And it's hard to do, right? Because what KPIs do you choose and how do you know they're the right ones? Absolutely. Well, I think for me, why I feel like I bring a lot of value to the investors that I work with, as well as the startups and growth companies that I work with, is that I've worn a lot of hats, as you said at the beginning of the podcast, and I can really tell and have insight into where something may or may not be able to provide clinical benefit. And in healthcare, that's obviously, that's the holy grail. Right. Uh, there are a lot of great technologies out there, but unless you can move the needle on making patients' lives better in some way, the other outcomes are not as relevant. And so the outcomes that are most important is how are you improving a patient's life? How are you improving their health outcomes? And how are you measuring it? And so coming up with those measurement tools at the beginning is absolutely critical to, to measuring that outcome. And as you said, without them, you, you really don't know what benefit you're providing. Love that. No, that's fantastic. What would you say you're most excited about today? I'm excited about a lot of things that I've become involved in, in terms of the next generation of medical technologies and breakthroughs that are going to change the future. And that's really what I spend a lot of my time doing now is trying to look for companies and sourcing, evaluate companies through due diligence that may have those technologies that are going to be the game changer for tomorrow. And I think that you know, I've gravitated toward the digital health space because artificial intelligence machine learning now is starting to move the needle. We're starting to see unique applications of it that are actually demonstrating clear benefits to patients. We've seen it particularly in artificial intelligence that pertains to image recognition uh, because a computer can often very quickly and more effectively detect patterns, trends in images than the human eye can. And obviously, incredible speed and quantity that's just not humanly possible. And that's why we're seeing some of the breakthroughs like in remote monitoring where gesture detection, we're picking up signals from each individual patient and analyzing about 500,000 data points per person per day. And so just imagine trying to manually look at gestures like that. It just wouldn't be humanly possible, but the computer can process that amount of information. 
but it's also the technology around it. It's the fact that, you know, the bandwidth on the internet and Wi-Fi and Bluetooth is much greater than it was in recent past, which is allowing this. We have proprietary data compression algorithms that allow the data to be compressed so you're transferring less through the internet and through Wi-Fi and then up into the cloud than, than what would have been a couple of years ago. All of those other advancements really are synergistic with what, what we're doing. And I think finding those synergies is really, really exciting. When you, we find one technology that can help another and then deliver even more value to a patient's life is really what excites me and where I spend a lot of my time on the venture investing side and working with companies like Somatics that have something unique. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, once you have the IP, how else can you use it? And where else could it be Absolutely. used? To, yeah, it's just, uh, that's, that's, that's fan- that is very exciting. And with the companies in the portfolio, I mean, pretty exciting plays and bets that you guys have placed. Folks, if you're curious, digitalisventures.com. Check them out. They're doing some fascinating work in our space, a company that you should definitely be keeping your eye on. Gosh, you know, um, I'm always curious what health leaders like yourself, Charles, are reading. What would you recommend as far as reading material for, for the listeners? I think the last uh, great book I read, which I recommend to everyone, was a book by Walter Isaacson about Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, it was mm-hmm. a highly uh, rated book. I've probably not unsurprisingly, I try to move away from medical books in my spare time. But <laughs> you know, da Vinci. We're talking about innovation, and it's you know for me a passion. Da Vinci, uh, of course, is arguably the most inventive and innovative scientist, mathematician, architect, and painter and sculptor uh, in history. And, <laughs> like, um, like just a total renaissance man, right? <laughs> pure, pure definition of a renaissance man. And so what was so, what was so great about the book is that just before this crisis, I, I read the book, which is an incredibly crafted book there. I don't think has been one done in such a, such a, you know, very, very uh, detailed manner, diving into all aspects of his art and his science. And then actually, right before the current crisis manifested uh, at the end of last year, I actually took a trip through Italy and France to some of the places where Da Vinci lived and worked during his life, and uh, including his home uh, that he spent his last several years living in, in the south of France, and it's now, it's now a museum, uh, sort of tracing the steps that I was reading about in the book as I was taking the trip. So it was a Amazing book, and then even more amazing to actually trace the steps that I was just reading about in the book as I was traveling them. Even stumbled across some of his um, manuscripts that happened to be housed in a uh, chateau in France while I was there and uh, see them in, in person. So, recommend that book really, really highly. Certainly, uh, very stimulating and, and uh, one of the most innovative minds you know, in the history of mankind. So, if you have, we all have a little bit extra time on our hands now, it's, uh, it's a good way to put it to use. Man, that's great. Uh, and I am a big fan of Isaacson. I read that Steve Jobs book by him. And I mean, the writing's great. You know, yeah, I mean, another great book. And his Einstein book I read uh, not too long ago as oh, well. Oh, you did? Amazing book about uh, Albert Einstein. So yeah, gr- great author, great book, and highly recommend it. Leonardo da Vinci. I- I've got that one on my notepad here, Charles, with two stars on it. Right. I'm picking it up. <laughs> and listeners, uh, definitely one that you can pick up here while you're quarantined and looking for other things to inspire you to continue building and uh, making our world better. 
So really, really grateful for our time together here, Dr. Herman. Can you give us a closing thought and then the best place for the listeners to get in touch if they want to continue the conversation? Of course. Well, most importantly, we're, we're recording in the middle of a crisis. My thoughts go out to everyone who's potentially suffering from the disease and uh, wishing everyone the safety and health as we get past this in the next several weeks. And so for me, it's the most important thought that I can communicate. If you want to read more about what some of the things I've been involved in, the website that you mentioned, digitalisventures.com, goes over some of the portfolio companies in, in the venture fund and somatics, S-O-M-A-T-I-X.com is the artificial intelligence powered remote patient monitoring platform. You can go to that website. There's contact information on both of those websites if someone wants to get a hold of me directly. I'm always interested in speaking with people who have similar values and interests uh, to mine. So appreciate this opportunity today and uh, grateful for the time it took to uh, speak about some of the things that I'm passionate about. Love it. No, it's been a true pleasure, Charles. And I'm sure listeners, you're enjoying this. Hit the rewind button. There's some good shares there, but also go to Digitalis Ventures or, you know, find ways to connect with Dr. Herman. The opportunities ahead of us are big. So again, we appreciate your time here and uh, look forward to staying in touch. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Your time as well.